All of my friends living in the large cities, only one out of five already have started a family, and the left four probably haven't got any sort of plan on it. By the end of、uh, last month, the young unemployment already reached 18.3 percent. So, when they really see a prospect of getting unemployed, you know, having their children, what would those young parents would think about it? So, this is really an immediate issue. If the government wanted to really alleviate the、uh, some of the concerns, to have the existing younger population to have a good employment、uh, security and also a good career track. You can only、uh, succeed in a, a big、uh, cultural change like that by sort of going with the flow of the cultural desire and not against it. So I don't think just、uh, more advertising and cute signs and TV ads is going to help this. They, they have to do it another way. They were going to try and provide more money for childcare and other kinds of things, but you know it has to go much deeper than that. There has to be an economic reason to have more children, and there has it has to be economically feasible. You you can't expect them to. Take on a burden that economically that they can't、uh, fulfill. The chat lounge. Chat lounge. Chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the chat lounge. I'm Tuyun. Joining our discussion on China's endeavor to build new era marriage and childbearing culture are. Dr. Liu Baocheng, director of the Center for International Business Ethics at University of International Business and Economics; David Moser, associate professor of Beijing Capital Normal University; and my colleague Gao Yingshi. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. China's launching pilot projects in some twenty、uh, cities to build a new era marriage and childbearing culture. It's trying to create a social environment that encourages. Childbirth, as the nation faces the challenge of a falling birth rate. So let me start with the、um, youngest of、um, us, Yingshi, a representative of Gen Z, the generation under big pressure to consider whether they should get married or have kids. So Yingshi, what's your initial reaction to the news, and what is your plan to start a family of your own and have kids? Well, unfortunately for me, as a postmodern urban dweller, for me, I haven't got any plan yet for starting a family. And for many of my friends, we have the same sort of thinking. And all of my friends living in the large cities, maybe one, only one out of five, already have started a family. And the left four probably haven't got any sort of plan on it. Well, um. That's, I should say, a little bit sad to know the percentage、um, of your peers who don't have this、um, plan of、um, starting a family or, or have their own kids. But、uh, let's move on to to David.、Um, David, do you have any idea what your daughter's plans are? It will determine when you will become a grandpa. <laughs> well.、Uh... One thing that maybe be different in the two cultures is that、uh, I don't dare give her pressure to do that to have、mm-hmm. a child. <laughs> She would just ignore me or say, "This is not your business."、Uh, whereas in Chinese, I think it is the grandparents' business a little bit. But、um, 
Yeah, she's a, a, a little bit typical, I guess, in that she's not in a hurry, actually. Mm. She does want to have children. She's told me that. She's only just turned 26. I guess that's the age where I think the Chinese had to say the, the sort of a, a phrase, sheng yu, you know, the leftover women. She's sort of at that age, I guess. Not, not yet. I think in urban areas, this age is just um, about the, the perfect age for men or women. Uh-huh. Okay. So she's at the perfect age, but she doesn't feel it's the perfect age. Uh-huh. <laughs> she wants to wait. She's not anxious. And she tells me, you know, why not? 30. 30 is a good age. I, I will already have a good income by then. Mm. I will already have uh, health care benefits. And she, her feeling is, you know, don't be a parent when you can't afford it. Wait until her career is established. So is that typical of the new Chinese? I don't know. She's a little bit different since she has American citizenship. Mm. But she's a little bit typical of her generation, maybe, in that they're not in any hurry to get married. Well, they're in a hurry to get a mate and maybe get married, but they're not encouraged to have a, uh, they're not in any hurry to have a baby. Right. At least you got to talk to her about this topic, right? She's not sure. uh, resisting to this idea. That's right. Unless I, unless I put pressure on her, and then she would stop talking to me. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what about about Joan? Do you look forward to, to becoming a, a grandpa? Have you talked to your son about it? Well, I'm more or less in a similar situation with mm. uh, David because my son is already 33 years old. Actually, mm. tomorrow he's uh, having his commencement uh, with his PhD in law wow. from Rutgers. He, I he, have really introduced. Right. Uh, he, he hasn't got uh, even a girlfriend. He said it's a waste of time. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Probably he doesn't have that much time because he, he's got a, you know, PhD um, thesis a, a ahead of him, right? Yeah, he's uh, having, of course, tough course pressure, particularly doing the the law work. I know that because I got a PhD with that. Right. Uh, I appreciate that situation. So therefore, I didn't uh, give him a, a lot of pressure on it. But in the uh, meantime, I sent him a lot of pictures of my students, uh, you know, the girls from my campus. And this is uh, good looking and this is uh, the uh, very amiable, <laughs> hardworking, etc. It doesn't so, sound like fine, you. What <laughs> uh, I can't say, oh, you got to marry this girl. You got to consider <laughs> this one. So... <laughs> Therefore, uh, you know, in our, I said on our campus, we have uh, nearly 10,000 girls that are available. You know, you can uh, you, you can uh, send a bid for it. But uh, no, 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 no. I, I just wanted to uh, live in peace, do my work uh, until really I get fully settled and uh, with a very good career track. I don't really seriously uh, talk about it, but I can make some friends, um, but without really uh, the uh, career goal of uh, uh, having a dating and not to mention a marriage. Mm. Well, it 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 seems that you are tradition, very traditional when it comes to you know, for kids having a, a family. because you know what I. I, I didn't myself, expect that. I would like to have a whole herd of children. Uh. The. Uh, <laughs> Now I have to exert all my passion for children onto the cats and onto the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yes, uh, I think most most Chinese parents are like um, Bao Cheng because you know the Chinese believed in the sayings: "You, the more children you have, the greater your prosperity." And to have no offspring is the worst way of being unfilial to your parents. And um, but I'm not really indoctrinated by such a sort of tradition, uh-huh. you know, to uh, enlarge the family tree and. Then you know, what's to, what's up on your mind? Uh, I just like children, so right. You know, all, you know, <laughs> I would like to go to kindergarten, even as a volunteer, and uh, uh, all within you know, all my friends circle that do have children come to my office. I give them you know candies, I give them chocolates, I tell them jokes, etc. I just like children. So. Mm. But having some grandchildren. Probably would be the most convenient way to be accompanied by children, right? That's right, but that's also already you know my passion. Uh, well, uh, is already half filled by my uh, friend circle who have uh, children and even my niece uh, and nephews. Mm. So I almost you know I offer them some of the uh, lessons and uh, uh, communicate that, uh, with them on a regular basis on how they are doing. I play the same game with them, so just to please them. Uh, I can, you know, sense that you're having a very happy life as a, you know, a grandparent already. You're enjoying that That's- kind of life. Yeah. Also, you know, I I'm also delighted to uh, you know to know that uh, uh, my students, because mm-hmm. I've been teaching for forty years, uh, gave me good news that wow, they already have a newborn, and I told all、oh, sent me their picture and etc. I have a whole lot of them. So let's talk a little bit more about this、um, Chinese tradition of having、um, a lot of offspring's. I mean, the culture of the more children, the greater prosperity. So.、Um, How has this culture developed in China, Baocheng? Can you explain a little bit or introduce a little bit to our audience? Well, we always say need is the mother of invention, and、uh, the need for children is the mother to have、uh, more children,、uh, because China has been a, in a rural life for thousands of years, and、uh, definitely more children means the、uh, more manpower,、mm. and particularly more. Of the boys,、uh, because they are physically stronger, so therefore they were highly preferred. And、uh, the other is that、uh, we are short of the social welfare、uh, program, and so the、uh, having more children means that、uh, you are investing in a basket of your retirement. So、uh, look, my parents who passed away,、uh, though the, my parents, you know, bet on. On my four children, and only me are、mm. able to support the, the extended family. You know, giving them aid to build house, to build houses, solving some of the、uh, problems in the villages,、uh, etc. And so, therefore, they bet right. And、uh, my mother used to say, "Well, if I decide not to have a four、uh, in the family, I would fully regret because、uh, only the four is the winner, which is me."、So. Uh. <laughs> Right, she she made a she made a right decision at that time. <laughs> Then,、um, yeah. what has led to the changes in the culture, David? You've been here in China for decades.、Uh, can you tell us your observation there?、Uh, well, you know, when we first came here, when I first came here in the eighties, at the beginnings of the sort of reform and opening up period, 
there was still uh, this kind of default assumption that when the mother and father became older, that the children's filial duty would be to take care of them. Mm. And that was still operative back then, and I think even in the early 90s. But as the, uh, the reform and opening up, then uh, students, uh, young people had a better chance to go abroad. Some of them got higher degrees there. And then, you know, some of them either settled down there or ended up living a life in both cultures. And frankly, it just became harder and harder to, for that Confucian um, obligation to be fulfilled. That, that a lot of the younger, the children were just no longer in the same city as the parents. Maybe even within China, they were no longer living in the same city. So that, that sort of uh, contract, Confucian contract, <laughs> maybe I should say, mm. sort of fell apart uh, or, or became weaker. And then that, the rise of, of, of nursing homes and old age homes in China now is a huge topic. And, and many older people don't want to have the, uh, necessarily have their children take care of them because they, they, you know, they want them to be free to fulfill their lives. So that's one thing. But then the other thing is having children. And that's that's still something that has been, you know, uh, an important expectation of the mother and father that, that their children would have children. And so that seemed to be something that lasted a little bit longer than, than this obligation to take care of the parents when they're older. Mm. But uh, I'm right now in the last year or so, last two years, I've been teaching more and more younger Chinese students because of the COVID restrictions. A lot of the students I normally used to teach they're unable to come back to China. So I've been, been getting acquainted with some of the younger generation of 20, 21-year-old undergraduates here. And I don't get a sense that, that they feel very obligated to give a, a child to their parents. Um, I hear there's always jokes and there's talk about the kinds of tricks that, that children will use on their parents to, to give them the false impression that they have a boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> so they, to keep, because the pressure, you know, to keep from the pressure building up from the parents. Um, but when I talk, I have talked to my class about this because I'm curious and they don't mind discussing social issues with me. You know, I say, how many of you women, you know, want to have a child for sure? And not all the hands went up. I would say there were at least maybe a fifth of the class mm. that said, no, I never want to have a child. And that to me was amazing that that, that many women in a, in a young class uh, of this, this, uh, oh, this is it Gen Z. Some of them or the women are thinking, I don't want to have a child at all. And that seemed amazing to me. So those two, this Confucian obligations of taking care of your parents and then also to give your parents grandchildren seems to me to be falling apart. Because of this... Uh one-child policy or i don't think it's because of the one-child policy i think it's because of modernization it's because of movement within the cult within china domestically and overseas people are, are moving away from their place of birth and from their their hometowns and they're either moving to larger cities in china or they're actually moving out of china and are, are building careers overseas or spending a lot of their time overseas and under those circumstances, the premise of the, the taking care of the parents in old age and, take, and giving them kids depends on, the, on the, the, the children being in this, close to their parents in physical proximity, and mm. they just aren't anymore. A lot of this, even some of the students I'm teaching now, you know, their hometown is not in Beijing. So when they graduate, if they get a job here, they're still going to be separated from their parents in another city. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just modernization. Mm. has caused this.
they have to face the reality. But um, this culture of having as many children as possible has been in China for over 2,000 years, right? I checked in the, in the Western Han Dynasty uh, more than 2,000 years ago, China's population was about 63 million, about the size of the British population in 2012. And uh, during the Han Dynasty, the world's population stood at around 170 million, and China accounted for more than 37% of the world's total. But, you know, the opening up David just mentioned and the one-child policy have been in China for only some 30 years. So, Bao Zheng, why did people's mindset or, or a nation's culture or tradition of over 2,000 years change over such a short period of, of time? Well, the environment for China hasn't really changed a great deal for uh, 2,000 years. Mm. So it's a rural uh, country because the level of uh, agriculture requires uh, more of the uh, labor force on the land. And uh, by economic calculation, you know, having more children is really a more wise decision than having more kettles. Uh, if you look at Greece, and Greece uh, used to keep a lot of slaves, and therefore they didn't really move up uh, with their technology invention. So it turned out to be a curse for modernization because, uh, you know, the, uh, with so many men, you know, building the Great Wall, for example, and carrying bricks, they don't even, you know, think of improving their technology to make the bricks and carry the bricks and fill the wall. So, uh, therefore, I do not really think this is really a negative issue mm. by having less children because the, by calculation, you know, half of the existing population uh, is there to make our planet more dwellable. So, I should say that uh, this is really a, something that uh, uh, David has described is really a drive for modernization, you know, after uh, 2000 years of Chinese history. And uh, now people are having uh, more uh, individualism and people are having more mobility and they live to themselves, not really to their family. So this is really a progress. I should uh, say that we are finally are really making to catch up. And if you can uh, look at around the world, those nations with large population, they are not really, uh, you know, making a lot more progress towards modernization. If you look at the India, so if you look at uh, Brazil, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and America maintains a still population growth, not because a lot of local people want to have more children, because they are more open for immigrants. So this is really the issue. So it goes in in a reverse way mm. with modernization and urbanization. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. We'll be back right after the break. D-Dime, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chat Lounge, and we're discussing China's endeavor to build new era marriage and childbearing culture. 
But Belgium, as an economist, don't you have any concern that uh, this uh, dividends from、uh, you know demographic dividends, as、uh, referred to by many economists, would disappear? No, not at all. Because you know what is exactly the dividend out of the demographics?、Mm. And you know、uh, just. To have more children,、uh, to simply to go work in the、uh, plow in the fields, or you know work the incessantly on the assembly lines. This is not the way China should really go. So therefore, when we are really embracing more technology, when we are having more robots、uh, working around, we are having more drones to deal with fertilizer, deal with even planting, and we do not need so many. You know,、uh, so large a labor force, I should say, and also that we should congratulate China because now the life expectancy、uh, has been, you know, almost at par now with the rest of the developed world. So this means that people, you know, who are reaching like 60 years old, they are still robust and strong. So therefore, those who are able and willing, they can really work, you know, uh, uh, for pleasure、uh, even. So a lot of the the human resources are not really being utilized in this fashion.、Mm. So and more of the people are there to receive、uh, higher education, and they they can even shorten their、uh, work time, you know, with the help of the technology. So we do not need a whole fleet of uh, uh, labor force,、uh, you know, manual labor force anyway. Yeah, but that seems to be a problem to at least、um, the authorities or to maybe the majority of those decisions. The authorities needs to change need to change their mind. The candidate parents they decide what is best for their lifestyle and also、uh, what is there to to be able to cater、mm. as a public good to the newborns.、Mm. So now, of course, you know, with the pressure of、uh, education. Uh, with the pressure of housing, with the pressure of、uh, mobility, and、uh, social welfare program, and also even threat to their job security, you know those、uh, you know candidate parents are really there. You know have a good reason to hesitate. If、mm. the government want to have more children, okay, give them the right lever. To get really alleviated of their concerns,、mm. but it's nothing wrong for the authorities to introduce some policy to at least、um, postpone this process of、uh, of aging society. And、uh, we are talking about this、um, the new era marriage and childbearing culture into the China Family Planning Association. It's a big deal, and、uh, in many Western countries, they are also encouraging、uh, the younger generation to to have more babies. But it's just whether they can achieve that goal is another issue. So about this new era marriage and childbearing culture, Baojun, what's your understanding of this? I think respect to individual choice. The other is that、uh, we can't treat the newborns. As you know, there、uh, to fill the、uh, labor force. So how the newborns are really you know being prepared、uh, with、uh, the right type of、uh, social security, the right type of、uh, educational facilities, etc. So、uh, this is also、uh, very important. And、uh, then you know、uh, when we are worried about the gray hair generation or the silver hair generation, yes, China is already already、uh, reaching. 18 to 19 percent of the gray hair generation, but、uh, 
the uh, when people who have green hair, instead of you know encouraging them to have square dance and uh, making noise in the street, why can't they really, uh, you know, uh, be further encouraged to to work? And because they have experience and they also uh, have the passion to do it, so you know, try to build the right. I'm not really blaming any uh, any elder people who are really engaged in uh, personal pleasure work, but. Uh, a society can really devise more of the policies, at least to support them to do more of the social work and, and also the uh, exercise their power to uh, guide more of the entrepreneurs and uh, uh, also to guide on you know local government policy, etc., etc. So they can be better utilized to serve social good and also earn more meaning into their retirement. So this is something that we should really, really do, which means that uh, take full advantage of existing resources at the status quo, and then you are able to plan for the future. But Bajun, you have to understand that if you don't um, continue or or carry out this, uh, I would say, campaign of asking the younger generation to be at least more inclined to to having babies, your pleasure. Of uh, being accompanied by children would be, um... uh, yeah, would be deprived. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, of course, you know, the uh, yes, my uh, that's you know, on an individual basis, yes, I would really like to have more of the children. But uh, you know, on a macro level, I mean, talking about the government policy and talking about the planning for a future social construct in terms of the demographic distribution, I mean. You know, we should really be able to have a, a long-range view over the development because we used to be, you know, scared by so many children. Uh, you mentioned about the birth control; it was so tough. Yeah, we can talk a lot about this, but uh, that could be, you know, for another episode. But for this yeah. session, our focus is on the new era right. culture. Yeah, but I mean, we need really to have more calculation because I had a dialogue with the、uh, Roman Club people who really scared China with their growth limit、uh, because they said, "Well, they said, okay, if their、uh, the population grows so large,、uh, you know, out of the proportion with the resources, they're either going to be a, a pandemic or there's going to be a, a war simply to bring." The、uh, population into balance with the、uh, natural endowment, and that was wrong because you know as long as you know we go for modernization with urbanization with industrialization now with digitization, we can really adjust、uh, more into the the right type of equilibrium,、uh, you know, between resources and people. But、uh, now when there's a sudden、uh, you know swing of the pendulum. And people are not really used to it. And now, yes, China is in a very critical juncture. We are transforming from the traditional society with the mode of production, together with the、uh, with the ideology, Confucius ideology, more onto a individual emancipation. And this is something that irreversible. But、uh, then, when people are really getting more、uh, are getting more settled and seeing a more stable future and have,、uh, seeing the benefit of having more children,、uh, not only in economic terms but in social terms, and they will, you know, come back and、uh, seriously consider it. Yeah, that's what we need today. <laughs> and I'm going to ask、uh, Yun Shi. You totally agree with that, right? 
definitely. And that's where I see a real progress here on this new era marriage and children bearing culture. So like traditional child bearing culture has this sort of specific historic background. The idea of those new era cultures not I mean, in my perspective, it's not reintroducing the traditional culture, but to create a new one by eliminating those sort of remaining outdated marriage culture, no matter the source of the grand grandiloquent wedding or those sorts of like a make or forcing making female doing their child rearing alone. What the point is to create of this new uh, the new era culture is to create a more people-centered environment. It's like advocating the sharing, the sharing housework equally, or sort of uh, generating a more equal family characters. And and I, I need to quote my favorite philosopher Slavoj Žižek uh, in this in his critiques. It's like the marriage has been attached too much with its economic function that makes people unwilling to get married. But what we are doing is like decouple its economic function with the with the marriage itself, and by doing so, that we could see the marriage to go back to its like very original function, and that's why I see a real progressive this as a very progressive policy. Mm. David, um, you you were uh, listening to three Chinese uh, debating about this new era uh, culture of uh, marriage and childbearing. From your perspective, what do you think should be the essential point of carrying out such a policy? Well, uh, of course, top-down uh, policies don't work too well unless you can provide sort of bottom-up incentives. I mean, that's one thing. Mm. And usually incentives are monetary, you know, that they were going to try and provide more money for childcare and other kinds of things. But, you know, it has to go much deeper than that. There has to be an economic reason to have more children. And there has, it has to be economically feasible. You, you can't expect them to take on a burden that economically that they can't uh, fulfill. So um, I'm also a little bit surprised as to why it have taken this particular push right right now, mm. at least from the things from the things I've read, certainly there's there's a population explosion. We wonder how many billions of people the world can support. That's mm. a big question. In the future, there's water shortages. There's all kinds of problems with larger populations. But the other thing is, from what I can see, people are talking about the future, not the near future, like in the next ten years, but within the next fifty years. That actually we probably won't need such a large workforce because features act uh, factors such as artificial intelligence, the aging population, as Professor Liu pointed out, are surviving, living longer, and living more healthy lives till late in life in the 60s and 70s. So they can be part of the labor force. So it seems to me that the demographic arrows are all heading in a different direction. They're in, heading in a direction where we really don't need a larger workforce. What we do need is ways in which the um, resulting age groupings, whatever they might be, whether it's 20% you know, elderly or 30% or even 40% elderly, you know, what is that going to mean for the future? And is it really something we need to worry about right now if it, may, if it may be we may spend half of our, our, our lives in the future without working? They're talking about half-day work hours for, for most workers in the next few decades. So for me, I think there's just a lot of unknowns. Mm. It seems like pushing pushing for family to increase family size and to have more children 
made perfect sense 20 years ago. It's a very, very good thing to worry about because China was, in fact, we did start worrying about this around 20 years ago as people saw the demographic after the one-child policy. Uh, that's why they abandoned it, instigated this, the two-child policy, and now that's uh, as many as you could get policy, it seems. Yeah, um, you're that saying, made sense back then. Right. You're saying you don't know uh, why the government or the authorities are carrying out this um, campaign right now, but I guess they just don't want to wait until you know things get to the point where there is no way back. Actually, the authorities have introduced some um, measures to boost the country's um, childbirth rate, including tax incentives or housing subsidies or or free or subsidized education for having a you know a third child. But those measures haven't really generated um, the desired results. So I, I think they have their reasons. Their reasons are not only demographic. There, there's, there's all kinds of reasons to have to not have a skewed population of too many old people as uh, the ratio of young to old being skewed. Mm. That's true. But uh, the way I see it, they, they need to be thinking in a broader time span, I think, because or at least there should be caution, more a little bit caution. But I can see why they're thinking in the next 10 years, perhaps. But the problem goes much longer than the next 10 years. Mm, but probably they Well, want- I, I think at the moment, the drive behind such a policy is immediate consideration because the right. uh, we see that more of the or manual or uh, intensive work are really being shifted out of China and uh, more of the companies, both foreign and domestic, private companies, they they reflect to the government that, uh, well, the high wage of the labor force is one of the driver for them to reallocate their businesses out of China. So that's a strong incentive for the government to boost continually, to boost the labor intensive industries because uh, or quality of labor force is not there yet to match the demand of new digital era. And so that's one very immediate consideration. The other consideration is that uh, we are running very low on the social welfare, um, particularly on the uh, retirement pension programs. Mm. So they still wanted to boost the Confucius type of culture where filial priority is uh, something that is there to be further fostered so that uh, more of the government burden to cater to those elder people can be shifted onto the children to give the support to their parents. It will, will take government. like another 10 or 20 years for them to join the labor force, right? So it's not an, like an immediate uh, shot or that can be effective. Well, uh, you know, they are, they are there in a row. Actually, uh, no, uh, so therefore you plant the seeds and uh, then, you know, you can harvest on it, uh, you know, on a yearly basis. So that's uh, right now, at least we do not really see substantial investment from the government yet on how to support the uh, more of the children bearing program. You see that they still limit, you know, th- uh, three children. So this is really an issue. They just calculate, well, this is the right way that we can alleviate the government burden while we shore up the economy. And so that's the uh, major consideration. And now why don't we use more of the resources to encourage more of the elder people who are able and willing and healthy enough to continually to contribute? Uh, So this is really the more realistic approach. 
Yeah, I think those, you know, the efforts about, um, you know, helping the elderly, I think it's underway. But this is the other side or another side of one story, right? Boosted birth rate won't affect the elderly being taken good care of, right? Yeah, but right now, if you really wanted to achieve a policy goal, you got to really have all those policy tools in hand. Right now, you see that uh, you know many of the employers I I really had dialogue with. They said, okay, that's why we are we are getting even more and more hesitant to have um, uh, more of the women in maternity age to join our company because you know the government want us to give them more of the maternity leave with full pay program and, uh, and so therefore even though we have the you know gender equality uh, in the law and they have the implicit dealings that they try to reject wi- uh, women with uh, the uh, maternity so i would say if you really want employers to support them you know why don't government give the right type of compensation because in economics that's called externality so uh, to those employers so that they get really alleviated of their own burden. So you shift the burden onto the employers, and then you know they will find a way to deter the process towards the government goal. The other is that okay for uh, for children who are really competing so tough on the best schools. So why don't we invest more into uh, you know more of the primary schools and uh, good middle schools so that they can really have a sort of uh, a prospect to really raise their children to their expectation. Mm. So this is really something that our government can do, and we are not really doing enough yet. Now you're talking. Uh, we're back on track towards this, uh, <laughs> today's uh, topic. You're listening to the Chat Lounge. We'll be back after this. Dunhuang, situated along the ancient Silk Road. Where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world, it's where the East and West interacted, and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for two thousand years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chat Lounge, and we're discussing. China's endeavor to build new era marriage and childbearing culture. So, Yingshi,、um, apart from what、uh, Baocheng just mentioned, anything else do you think would make you feel more inclined to have one or more more kids? Well,、uh, for me, it's just like social welfare. As just as just mentioned,、uh, it's just it's one sort of、uh, big issue for me. And in terms of Well, basically, this is to、um, trying to dec-、uh, make the bride prices going down. But for me, the bride、uh, the bride prices is not just meaning the money, but、mm. also time. It's like some social commentator has been proposing a sort of socialized parenting.、Uh, it's like 
taking some of the responsibility from the parents. It's like some sort, some sort of、um, educational guidance. Basically, it's like spending more money, as、uh, like Bao Cheng said, spending more money on the primary school or middle school. Like students could spare more time with their classmates, and to ex- by extending their school time, the parents won't be so busy, like to trying to get them to school or and get them、uh, get them out of school at night. And by doing so, this point is to make the child wearing a more more like enjoyment.、Mm. It's less like a cost. That's by doing so, it's like make people more willing to have a baby since like. You're more enjoying in this,、mm. right? I, I, I'm thinking another funny problem I should mention that uh, by uh, by the end of the、uh, last month,、uh, the young unemployment already reached eighteen point three percent. So when <clears> they <throat> really see a prospect of getting unemployed,、uh, you know, having their children, then how, what would those young parents would think about it?、Mm. So therefore, now you know. Even now, the younger generation, between 16 years old to 24 years old, they suffer from a very hefty unemployment at the moment. So that really sends a very negative signal to those potential parents who are still hesitating. So this is really an immediate issue. If the government wanted to really alleviate the、uh, some of the concerns, you know, to have the existing younger population. To have a good employment、uh, security and also a good career track.、Mm, yes, that's a serious problem today. But、uh, to add some,、uh, you know, light atmosphere to our chat here, I'm thinking about, you know, probably we can borrow some、uh, practices from the One Child campaign in the 1980s. Paint images of of、um, happy multi kids family on on the wall of public places or advertising on social media. David, I guess you must be very familiar with such scenes, right? In the nineteen eighties, especially when you go to you know the countryside of、uh, China. Well, yes, but I, the, the the signs I remember are signs that said. <laughs> right. They were, they, yeah, they were saying one was enough. Yeah. Right. I think there's a fundamental conflict here, sort of a contradiction here. And、uh, Professor Liu is the expert, so he'll know more about this. But it seems to me we've seen in every country in the world that when economic modernization occurs and the country becomes prosperous, the birth rate goes down. That's always the case. Yes. It happened in Japan. At least so US, far, yeah. In China, certainly,、mm. and that's almost the law of, of demographics. That when it, when the prosperity level reaches a certain length, the a certain height, the women stop. You know, childbearing goes down.、Mm. Now, you know, I think there are the reasons for that, but of course, there's there's social reasons, economic reasons, but there's also social reasons that once、uh, the society becomes complex and economically prosperous. That for the woman's role in life, it's not just to be a mother and to bear as many children as possible, as it is in in many third world countries and countries where birth rates are extremely high.、Uh, there are other options for the woman, and many women just opt out. They say, you know, I want to have a career. I don't、mm. really want to have necessarily have lots of kids or even one kid. We see that. So I think the government is sort of having it both ways. They created prosperity, and and kudos to them. It's good for them. That's、mm. that's a very good thing. They made China rich and prosperous. But for me, there's kind of an unwritten rule of demographics that well, when you do that, birth rates are going to plummet. 
And uh, I think that, you know, they're sort of working at both ends. If, the, if they succeed in prosperity, then they're going to have to live with a lot of women in the workforce that don't want to have more than one child or even have one child, as some of my students are saying to me. So the fundamental contradiction there that they're going to have to struggle with, I think. You know, what, one of my colleagues uh, told me that she would have more babies if, you know, she's given like a 10 million yuan. Um, <laughs> how much is that in, in the U.S. dollar terms? I'll be doing so if you give me right. 10 million. So basically, it's, it's not, su- yeah. right, not sufficient um, uh, economic uh, incentives, right? Is it the, the key of the issue, Baixeng? Yeah, I uh, not re- not exactly because right now you know economic uh, uh, the uh, calculation is only part of the game. Actually, it's a lower tier of the game as for family planning, either for uh, fewer or or more children. Mm. Uh, it's really you know when the uh, economic income is reaching a certain threshold, it is really. Uh, their holistic calculation of the general happiness of their uh, life, because you know right now uh, they want to really receive more education in order to be more competitive in the marketplace. Like my son, you know, who really managed to, with a PhD degree by 33 years old. And uh, the other is that uh, you know when women uh, lose a certain period of uh, uh, career life by having more children. They have difficulty to uh, really to get really uh, onto the uh, right track in a very short period of time because companies or even government offices, they cannot wait for you. They will get your post uh, refilled by some other people. And that's also uh, another uh, very big consideration. And third is the competition among the upsprings, uh, you know, with the, even the children. When they see that the children will, you know, have the, having the risk of losing out without the right type of edu- uh, education, without right right type of, uh, you know, health care, mm. they won't really uh, be able to have more of the children. So therefore, in order to make the car drive, you've got to have the right road, mm. but also you have to fill the gas tank. Yes, that's true. Right. And yeah. uh, just uh, add a little bit into this. It's just uh, an interesting thing is that uh, for us, money, especially for our generations, money is an issue, but definitely it's not the most important issue. Since mm. like, uh, and I want to introduce and sort of an expectation uh, point of view. It's like uh, traditionally, like having babies necessarily mean you have high expectation on them. It just uh, get them food, get them warm, that's enough. But for us, having a baby means that they need to live better than you do, especially after they've grown up. And that makes a generated a sort of, um, and very popular words in China, involution or neijuan. It's like everybody's competing for a thing. Well, everybody is, by doing so, they, they are kept in the same stage with no progress. Uh, I think that's what might be the key we need to solve. Right. Okay. Well, for some people, um, it's not they don't want to have babies or they don't want to get married. It's that they are unable to have their own baby in a natural way. So I'm wondering the role of technology here. You know, uh, the Beijing Institute of uh, Genomics of the Chinese Academy of Sciences has recently come up with a new 
in vitro fertilization technology, which experts with the Institute say may help lift the IVF success rates to 72%. That's more than double the current global average rate of less than 30%. And that would allow China to have more than 100,000 new babies each year and reduce nearly 10,000 cases of birth defects and save billions of dollars in clinical expenses. I think that can be used for for uh, elderly care, as um, Bao Cheng would like to. So I'm wondering, to what extent such new technologies would help China boost its um, birth rates? Bao Cheng, do you have an answer uh, well, there? Well, for individuals, yes, it does help mm. uh, to raise the fertility rate. It does help. But uh, on a macro level, it means nothing. Because, uh, you know, uh, when most of the the younger generation, they have the, the physical condition to do it and they refuse to do it. You just target those minorities who suffer from health problems. Mm. So that's not really... Uh, a solution on a uh, on a macro level, anyway. But of course, you know, it's a, it's a good news you know, for you know, for technology breakthroughs, and also you can also have technology, not only to raise the fertility rate, but you can have three childrens uh, with one blow. So, and also you can grow the baby, you know, within uh, somebody else's belly, and uh, uh, so or even grow the baby in the nursing lab. The technology does offer more of the uh, leverages, but uh, it is still the individual choice. After all, it's a human issue, and it must be solved by human, not really technology. Oh, that's true. And, uh, and I remember, I remember a news story with some women in China wanting to freeze their eggs. Yeah, which is a another technological possibility and solves for them the the sort of work and motherhood conflict, you know, whether do I want to have my career now? Mm. But I, as I recall, they were coming under some government, you know, obstruction. They didn't want them to, to or there was some legal issue about. Yeah, it used to eggs. be illegal, but now I think they're changing the policy. Uh-huh. That will help too. Well, right. but, uh, you know, the I think you know, you know better in America, you know, they always challenge the, uh, the, the parents that, uh, well, when you decide to have more children, when you get too old, and they will challenge you with, your, can you play uh, bet with your children? Mm. So, you know, think of the, you know, 70-year-old man or, uh, you know, uh, carrying a baby all around. Wouldn't you think he's funny? <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> In the U.S., it's mostly, it's mostly younger women in their 20s that want to use their 20s to have a career and they want to have a baby when they're 30s. And usually that's the age group we're talking about, I think. Think about the Elon Musk's father. Um, I think he's he's having a new baby in his 70s last year or a couple of years ago. That's more of the job of the, those super rich people who have <laughs> yeah, free, yeah, free yeah, freedom, who enjoy right. most of part of the life and then they want uh, something to add on. Yeah. Not really uh, applicable to general public. That's true. Uh, and last but not least, um, I still have to ask this question. You know, authorities are trying to build a new culture. So how long will it take to build such a culture of um, marriage and childbearing of a new era? And if the results of the efforts turn out to be fruitless, is it the end of the world? Let's start with Bao Cheng. Well, as long as our human beings want to remain viable and sustainable, and they, out of human nature, they are able to deal with the problem in a natural way, but not in a political or artificial way. Uh, David? 
Yeah, I would basically agree with everything Professor Leo says. I mean, I don't think you can that that you can't alter the culture merely by advertising. Mm. And you 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 have to create an economic change, an economic uh, shift that makes it you know more financially feasible for them and also attractive because it seems to ha- it needs to somehow fit into career plans and desires and go- and life goals that people have anyway mm. you can only you can only uh, succeed in a big t- a big uh, cultural change like that by sort of going with the flow of the cultural desire and not against it so i don't think just uh, more advertising and cute signs and ad- and you know ad- and tv ads is going to help this they-, they have to do it another way and if they, but as you say, it I probably won't be the end of the world if it doesn't succeed, mm. because as I see it, they may have be making a bad a mistake by trying to increase the population. For all we know, that could be the worst thing uh, for the environment and for the future of the planet that there is. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> and uh, you should. Oh, well, do you have anything to say here? Yeah, definitely. Well. I agree with Bocheng and David's their、uh, opinion, and just a, a little bit interesting phenomenon is that for our generation, when the more you want them to have babies, the less they want to actually.、Mm. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I think well, the, well, it seems being like, rebellious. Yeah, and interesting is like、uh, the the first law of physics also applied here is that where there is an acting forces, there. There is and counteracting forces.、Mm, so you're saying just let it be. <laughs> yeah, let it be. Take it easy. Right.、Um, that's what our Gen Z would say. And with that, we come to the end of our chat. Many thanks to David Moser, Associate Professor of Beijing Capital Normal University, Dr. Liu Baocheng, Director of the Center for International Business Ethics at University of International Business and Economics, and my colleague Gao Yingxu for sharing your views with our listeners. If you have any comments on the topic or the show, please feel free to message us. Just search Chat Lounge. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, or send us an email to radio at cgtn dot com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. We'll have more chat next week. Going on in Africa through the perspective of an African, how are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there.